Good morning, everyone. In her prayer, Rhiannon spoke of God's creative power. And so the psalm today is talking about that very thing. And so please follow with me on the screen, or if you prefer, just listen. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So if you've got your Bibles there, do keep them open in Psalm 19, uh, and I'm going to pray for us as we begin. Lord God, we thank you for a year of new beginnings, and we thank you that we can start it by stopping and reflecting on what you say to us. Uh, we pray that as we spend some time just reflecting on this psalm, that by it that you would speak to us, that by your spirit you'd give us those spiritual ears to hear and the ability to respond to it in the way that we should in repentance and faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christy and I first went to Thailand over 20 years ago and it changed our lives. We stayed in Bangkok and we were amazed at pretty much everything that we saw. There were golden temples. There was awful traffic, a little bit worse than going to line up for your COVID shot. Uh, there was crazy cabling. I don't know if there's any electricians in the room. Uh, Tuk-tuks, the local means of transport. There were even elephants walking on the streets of Bangkok. We had never seen anything like it. I think that every tourist who goes overseas probably comes back with interesting pictures and stories from their time in another place. But I haven't heard too many say that their life has been changed by what they've seen. 
And unlike most tourists, the first time that we did go to Thailand, we didn't even do much sightseeing. We didn't go to any of the amazing beaches. We didn't ride on an elephant. It wasn't the scenery or even the delicious food that changed our lives. It was the Thai people that we met there. We spent five weeks at a university in Bangkok with students who were studying English. I had skills that could help them to improve their English, but the bigger need that I saw in Thailand was the need for people to hear about Jesus. We knew from then on that we needed to be involved in helping Thais to have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. Seeing and experiencing Thailand firsthand changed our lives. The first obvious change it brought took place a few years after we came back when Christy and I gave up our jobs. We studied at Sydney Missionary and Bible College. And then in 2003, we moved to a small town called Dark. Dark is hard to say for English people, English speaking people, um, because you can't say dark because that's wrong and you can't say tack as it's spelt T-A-K. You've got to say dark or you end up in the wrong part of the country. Uh, living in dark was good, but it was also incredibly frustrating. I had gone to Thailand in order to communicate with people there how good Jesus is, but I couldn't understand anything that was being said. I was told that when I'd start dreaming in Thai, that would mean I would be fluent. And after just a few months, I started dreaming in Thai. This is fantastic. But very sadly, I didn't understand what was being said in my dreams either. <laughs> now worse, when I spoke, people either looked at me very confused or they just outright laughed in my face. You want gai taught, is that right? which is the Thai word for fried chicken. Yeah, I said gai tot, which means body fried. <laughs> not quite the same thing. Now, now, most Aussies are not able to distinguish between susan and susan, but that small change in sound to a Thai person changes the word cemetery into communicate. Just a slight difference. I experienced firsthand that learning a language takes a lot of time and is very difficult. Now, rapid change of location. I want you to imagine that it is now the middle of the night. You're not in Wollongong or even in Bangkok. You're out in the country on a beautiful, clear night. You look up to the sky. What do you see? Stars. That's right. Thousands and thousands of stars. Most people agree that stars look beautiful, but, but what do stars say? Well, nothing if you're listening for an audible sound. The waves in the ocean make noise and animals can make loud calls, but fortunately, we are not close enough to stars to hear the sound that they make. Nevertheless, if you take the time to consider, stars are saying something to us that we don't even need physical ears to hear. Have a look again. At verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. See, the heavens are speaking. Notice that the words used to describe their speech are, are strong, powerful words. Declare, proclaim. This is not a whisper. The heavens are speaking loud and clear. If we don't hear it, the problem is not with the stars. The problem is with us. 
took me many years to learn to speak Thai, and even now there's a lot I don't understand or I do get wrong. Nobody who has tried to learn another language thinks that it comes easily or quickly. So why do we assume that we can understand the universe? We don't even take the time to try and understand what it is saying. Now, we all know that our closest star, the sun, is doing a whole lot of things for us. It provides light and heat. It enables our food to grow and marks time. But is that the sun's whole purpose? Some astronomers spend their whole lives studying stars and can explain to us what stars are made of, how far away they are. They have theories on how they're born and how they die. Scientists can tell us all these things about stars, but there are not many who ask the question, why do stars exist? What is their purpose? When this psalm was written and sung, some people concluded that the sun was powerful and therefore they should worship it. Verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 19 agree that the sun does have other jobs to do, but those roles are part of achieving its bigger purpose. Verse 1, the heavens declare God's glory. By existing, the sun and all of creation are like a giant signpost for us, pointing us towards God. Nobody mistakes a signpost for the city that the signpost is pointing towards. And likewise, creation points away from itself to a God of incredible authority who gives the sun its jobs to do, a God who clearly deserves to be worshipped. If we listen to the heavens, to creation, it will point beyond a magnificent creator, sorry, beyond a magnificent creation, to an even more magnificent creator. In verse 7, there's a significant change of subject. After talking about the creation, the psalmist begins talking about God's law. In the Old Testament, there are two main words that refer to God. The word for God, as used in verse 1, can describe any powerful spirit. And many nations had their own gods or gods. In contrast with that wrong belief, verses 1 to 6 have shown that creation is declaring that there is one God, who created everything and controls everything. And while creation points us in the right direction, even if we take the time to listen, we can't know much more than he must be really powerful to be able to create and to control everything that we see around us. Thankfully for us, God didn't leave it up to us to discover what else he is like. He's chosen to make himself known to us through his law. He's the creator of all things, and and therefore, as ruler of all, it is well within his rights to give us laws, instructions for use, if you like. But notice, first of all, that it is the law of the Lord. Thai names sounded strange to our ears at first, Somchai. And here too, we might miss that the lawgiver's name is the Lord. Verse 7, in Hebrew, Yahweh. He's not just God. His name is Yahweh, the Lord. Learning someone's name is important because it shows that there is some level of relationship. When we meet someone for the first time, we're introduced and exchange names so that we can talk to each other. Likewise, God doesn't just want to be known for what he has done. He wants to be in relationship with those that he has created. 
Whenever we see the Lord in our English Bibles, we should realise that it shows God's desire to be in relationship with us. But as many of you will know, the Jews didn't call God by his name. God's name was considered so sacred that they wouldn't say it, and they instead called him a different word for Lord, Adonai. The Jews were right to see him as greater than us, as sacred, someone deserving of special respect. But sometimes they rejected the privilege of relationship that God was offering to them. We have to be careful not to let our thinking determine what God is allowed to do and say. But we also shouldn't assume that this relationship that we're invited into is the same as all our other relationships. It is one in which he is clearly the boss. His law is also called statutes, precepts and ordinances in the following verses. All of those words are different ways of describing the rules that God gave Israel that showed them how to live in response to his rescuing them. It emphasises that Yahweh has all authority. I think when we think of laws, we often think about the restrictions that stop us from doing what we want to. Road rules require us to, to drive at a measly 110 kilometres an hour when we, or at least I, want to drive faster than that. Public health laws tell us what we must wear over our face at church and even when we can sing. Many times laws make life difficult and, and we sometimes may wish that they didn't even exist. But God's law, according to Psalm 19, is not just man-made restrictions. Yahweh's law is perfect, trustworthy, right, sure and righteous. Yahweh's law are more valuable than anything you or I can work for, verse 10. They're sweeter than honey. The writer's feelings towards Yahweh's law are probably quite different to how we normally feel about laws. The psalmist doesn't feel restricted by God's law. Rather, the law is beneficial. The law, verse 7, revives the soul and makes the simple wise. The law, verse 8, gives joy. The law, verse 11, warns God's servant. Yahweh's law reveals that Yahweh isn't merely the creator. It doesn't even just tell us his name. It also reveals that Yahweh is loving. Like a father or a mother who looks after their children well, Yahweh's commands are good for us. Verse 11, they keep us from harm. If we do them, there is great reward. But the goal of the law like the goal of creation, is to point us to someone greater than ourselves. We saw in verses 1 to 6 that the creation is great and the creator is greater. Likewise, in verses 7 to 11, the law is good, but the lawgiver is even better. So how will we respond to Yahweh's offer to be in relationship with the good, powerful and holy creator? Well, in verse 9, there's a, a further significant change. The fear of the Lord is a response to Yahweh and his law. Like my first trip to Thailand, it could have just been fun or it can completely change your life. It is not enough to simply know the law or even to do the law. The law should make us want to know the lawgiver. 
Fear of the Lord is not being scared that we'll get into trouble because we don't obey the rules. The fear of Yahweh is recognising who he is and living appropriately then in response to that. We don't make the rules telling God what he should and shouldn't do. We listen to him and do what he tells us to do. Now, in practice, that's incredibly difficult to do. When I was struggling to learn Thai, I I frequently told God how he could help me with getting better at Thai quickly or, hey, even better, just give me the gift of tongue so I don't have to do all this study and I can just get out there. When we need something, it's easy to tell God how he can provide it for us. But those who fear God don't give him orders. And it's not just non-Christians who can be guilty of this. How easy is it for us to tell God what he should be doing in Thailand? How easy is it to tell him how our church should be bigger or have better music if that's possible or a, a more exciting youth program? To tell him that he should have provided us by now with that boyfriend or girlfriend, smarter brain, better looks. That he should end COVID or get rid of that sickness that our relative or beloved friend is suffering. There is a danger for us to mix up the order and speak as if we were, the, we were God and he is our servant. Whereas verse 11 recognises the way that it truly is. In contrast with the perfect, powerful and loving God, verses 12 to 14 show us what mankind is like. Like the sun, we have been created with a job to do. Like the rest of creation, we are supposed to glorify God. If the sun stopped doing its job, the world would fall into chaos. And when mankind stopped doing their job, the world did fall into chaos. Mankind not doing his job is what we call sin. Mankind like the heavens, was created by God. We are something truly amazing. But according to verse 12, we all have faults, even ones that we may not be aware of. Standing up here, there are things that I won't tell you that I've done because they're just too embarrassing to speak about. Sometimes, as in verse 13, we intentionally do the wrong thing. But my problems are even worse. Mankind is so damaged by sin that we don't even recognise all the things that we do wrong. We need God to rescue us from both types. And normally we want to hide our faults, so we put on makeup or or talk about our good points. We emphasise the positive. It's a natural response. But the right response to the realisation that we are not perfect is to ask for God's help. God doesn't want people who think that they're already perfect. He wants people that realise they are not perfect and he will make them perfect. Notice in verse 13 that David doesn't ask the law to rescue him. He realises that only God can save him, which is why he finishes the psalm as he does in verse 14. Have a look at verse 14. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Redeemer is the one who has rescued us by buying us back. To call God rock is to recognise that he is the one source of security in our lives. According to Psalm 19, both creation and God's word is saying something intended to change our whole lives. Like the things we saw in Bangkok changed our lives. 
each time we see creation, it should make us realise that God is powerful and in control. Each time that we read his word, we should hear it as a letter from the great creator who, who loves us so much that he has revealed to us the way that he wants to live. Together, God's creation and his word should lead us to ponder our redeemer, the one alone who can keep us safe, the one who's coming in the, as the word made flesh we've just celebrated together. Through him, through Jesus, in a way that David could only dream of, we can always be pleasing in God's sight. May 2022 be a year in which we all listen carefully and respond rightly to God's communication in all its forms. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you are a communicating God. You have amazingly created us, and even though we rejected your ways of living, you still wanted us to be in relationship with you, to be in a right relationship. And so you have made the way. You've told us about what you are like. You have shown us very clearly what you are like. Most clearly, you've shown that in Jesus, that you are the God who loves us so much that you would do everything it takes so that we can be in right relationship with you. Lord, as we start out 2022, may these not just be uh, another New Year's resolution that I'm going to read the Bible, but may this be characteristic of all our lives, that as we look around us, we see your handiwork that we would regularly reflect on your word, both in the Bible and in its form of Jesus. May he change us so that we become pleasing in your sight. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.